Good morning and welcome to Shelby Christian Church. How are you guys doing this morning? I mean, you can't get a better Sunday where you can gain 60 minutes of extra sleep and 60 pounds of Halloween candy. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. I hope you guys are ready, enthusiastic to engage in worship to our God. We're so thankful that you're here. Uh, we're thankful that we get to be here and, and worship him. And so uh, get your hearts ready for that. And I just want to tell you about a couple things that are coming up. First of all, we are already taking, can you believe this? Already taking signups for the bell ringers. Uh, for uh, the Salvation Army. Uh, so we need to make sure that we get signups in the back. Uh, for that, the sheet is already out. So if you want a premium spot at Walmart or Kroger, go back there and check that out. It's important. Also, Operation Christmas Child, the uh, boxes. We, uh, If you want to do a box, that uh, setup or display is out there where you can pick up boxes and prepare a gift that can go somewhere around the world So and to make sure that uh, kids have Christmas. And so we're glad you're here. Why don't you stand up and uh, do some, uh, what do we call that, ethereal type high fives, like from a distance. Uh, blow kisses. Is that weird? Marcy blow kisses? Oh, not to me. Uh, we're glad you're here. Let's worship together and praise God this morning. church and sing this together. There's a table you prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. It's your body and your blood you shed for me. This is how I fight my battle.
In Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, it says, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. All ministers like to see that. Um, He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. And Jesus made this statement. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. I think it's such an interesting story that we find here of Jesus observing our offering and recognizing the sacrifices of someone giving it all. Uh, This poor widow, maybe uh, she's not going to change the budget of the church. This is what I found is interesting. Her copper coins aren't going to allow them to expand on their building projects. It's not going to uh, allow them to even purchase some of maybe the church needs or uh, even help somebody else who's struggling. Her offering in so many ways was a couple pennies. But she gave it all and Jesus recognized her heart in this, and he said that she had given more than anyone else. And it made me think, I think a lot of times we approach communion and we approach the offering as something that God needs from us. He needs us to recognize that Jesus died on the cross. He needs us to recognize that the church needs our help and our money. And this scripture tells me, no, it's bigger than that. We need it. We need to come to that table to experience and understand what Christ did so we could walk out of this place and in through our lives forgiven of our sin. We needed the blood of the cross to be shed so that we could be saved. We need offering to remind ourselves that it's all his. That we don't need to become greedy, that we our hearts don't need to become bitter towards the offering time. That offering is for our hearts, not God's budget. We need it. Jesus says we need to give sacrificially. We need to give it all. We need to recognize those places in our life that God needs to invade to change our hearts so that we're not worshiping the dollar, but we're worshiping him. We need that time of communion and prayer to remind us this this life isn't about our jobs even our families. It's about him coming down and rescuing me. We need this time. We need this time to remind us that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior, and we're called to worship him. So I pray as you give your offerings and you take your communion, you understand it's an opportunity for us to work in our hearts to move our spirit to a place where you, God wants it to be and you need it to be. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for a church like this and all the thousands and hundreds of thousands of churches all over the world that are speaking into the lives of one another that you are faithful, you are our provider, You are the one that should be worshipped. And you are worth everything for us to give everything up for you. We thank you for loving us. And we thank you for this time that we are reminded of how much you love us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And there are stations all over the room. There's boxes for offering all over the room. Uh, Make your way during this time and and get your communion and, and give your offering. Thank you.
much as any year in my lifetime we need to act like we believe what we just said we believed as we sang those words together that that there is victory in the mighty name of Jesus that just like when Satan was trying to destroy Joseph's life and allowed his brothers or uh, convinced his brothers to throw him into a pit, to sell him into slavery, but that what Satan intended for evil, God was going to use for good years later as the people needed a victory. I, I don't know if you, have you seen any victories this week? I hope I hope you have on an individual and personal basis. I hope you've taken time to celebrate those victories. I think I think Wednesday night was a victory up here, uh, you know, because because we didn't know what we were going to be able to do. We felt like our community needed a time to get together. We felt like our kids needed a time to get together. And as of a week ago today, I mean, the weather forecast. I don't know if you guys were watching, but it wasn't. You know, it was like. Oh wow, we don't know. We don't even Tuesday it was like oh, we don't know. And then it was like, okay, looks like maybe we might get at least half of it in. Here's the deal. You know what happened Wednesday night? We got the Fall Family Fun Festival, 6 to 8. We got it in. We finished at 8 o'clock. People left. We needed about an hour to clean up. We got everything cleaned up in a little under an hour. And you know what time it started raining here? 908. That's just, you know, that's a victory. That's just God working things out for the good. Working things out for the good so people would have a great experience. You know what's going to happen here in about, let's see what time, okay, about two and a half hours? We're anticipating a great victory. Because we've been praying about a Hispanic service for years. In about two and a half hours it starts. And, and we're anticipating a victory. So I'm glad you guys are here today. I'm glad you're online. We got, that's a victory too, just like the online presence. Just in what I saw online before I came up here. And we got people on the West Coast in Oregon watching and on the East Coast of North Carolina watching and all of in between. That's a victory. God is just working things out in incredible, incredible ways. And so <clears throat> in this crazy year, I mean, let's face it, right? 2020? 
It's a year to remember, right? No, I mean, a year to forget, right? A year to learn some stuff and, and, and then forget. And so I just want to start this morning, and I just want to ask you, what are you most excited about for 2021? Tell the person next to you, if you're online, type it in the comment bar. What are you most excited about for 2021? You can actually share it in this. What's that? Oh, yeah, excellent. Real baseball. Right, right. You know what I'm not excited about? The Reds, but that's a different thing. Uh, I turned 60 in 2021. I'm trying to get my mind around that. Trying to get my mind around that year. But there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that is tricky when it comes to planning for the future. Any of you always spending time planning for your future? Uh, anybody at all? I mean, some of you, some of you spent time planning for your future, investing in 401ks or 403bs or in the market or getting your house paid off. Really, you, you may not have, but that's planning for the future, right? That, that's, that's planning for the future. A lot of you guys, especially in this service, have planned for an eternal future, right? That, that you spent some time planning for the future. But it, it's really tricky because we don't know what the future holds from day to day, do we? And we don't know about tomorrow. We don't even know about the rest of this day. And while we're great, gratefully and, and with all, with all anticipation looking forward to our first Hispanic service, it might not ever happen. It, it might not ever happen. Jesus may come back here in just a moment. And so it, it's a little bit tricky planning for the future, but it's in critically important that I think we do. And so today we're going to dig in and, and, and get ready again. Cause last week, you know, we had a whole chapter. Guess what? We got almost a whole chapter, except we really have a whole chapter. Kevin just covered the first four verses of it during communion. And now I get to do the rest of it. Okay. So we're in Luke chapter 21, verse five. And we're going to dig in in the part of this mini series about his atoning sacrifice. And today we're going to start looking at this, mm, this warning, this warning that Jesus gave. Last week we talked at the very end about four false teachers uh, that made ridiculous claims about the end times. And while 2020 has been a really, really crazy year, anytime that something horrible or Maybe the word's catastrophic that happens on a worldwide scale. People rise up and start claiming this is the end. This is the end of times. And they even start putting things together and start lining up. This is it. This is it. This is, it's all over. And, and so we get into these patterns in times like this of starting to think about the end times. So I want to ask you another question. Maybe this will spur a little bit more discussion with each other or online as well. When it comes to discussing the end of time, what are you most concerned about? Tell that person next to you right now real quick. What are you most concerned about? If you're watching online, type it in your comment bar. What are you most concerned about when people start talking about the end of time? See, in this Passion Week, in this last week of Jesus' life on earth, it, it's Tuesday. It's the end of the day Tuesday. Tuesday was a long day, in fact, really, in that week. It was really the last day that Jesus did extensive teaching. Uh, Wednesday was silent, and Thursday it all starts to really come together or unravel, depending on how you look at that. And, but at the end of the day on Tuesday, he and the twelve were were leaving the temple when a more private conversation than the, the more private than the public conversation of Luke 20. It's him and the disciples talking. And I want you to start looking at verse 5. It says, Some of the disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with and dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. And they asked him, said, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that these things are about to take place? And then we get to verse 8. I want you, if you're one that underlines or highlights in your Bibles, I want to suggest that you underline or highlight verse 8 because I think it's the key verse in this passage, in this teaching today. Look what he says. He says, watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name 
claiming, I am he. In other words, they're going to say, I am the one, I am the Messiah. He was prophesying this was going to happen and say the time is near. And then look what he says. Do not follow them. Do not follow. Jesus is warning us of these things. So I was trying to break this 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 text down into ways of warnings. And, and there were three different ways. And so I didn't know which one to choose. So like for each thing, I'm going to give you three different ways, whichever one makes the most sense to you. Think of it as the warning. Okay, so this first warning is this. It's either be watchful, don't be deceived, or just know the truth. So be watchful, don't be deceived, know the truth, because watch out for those who claim be Christ, Messiah. Last week is the message I gave you, several men who had done that, who said that they were the ones. Watch out for those who claim to be Christ himself. And, And while it may be difficult at times to identify just some false prophets, it shouldn't be hard to separate ourselves from someone who claims to be Christ. Because what the scripture tell us is when he does come back again, there's not going to be any question about who he is. The, the skies are going to open up. The heavens are going to, it's not going to be any question about this is who he is. But watch out for those who, even those today who still claim that they are actually the Christ. Second thing you watch out for is you're being watchful. Don't be deceived. Know the truth is watch out for those who claim to have the inside scoop. You know, I mean, I've just got the word from the Lord. You know, I just got a word from the Lord. You know, this is it's a little more difficult because some false prophets, they, they seem to sound really good. And they, they seem to look really good and offer prosperity and promises. And that's why it, it, it's critical to check every teaching against the teaching of Scripture. Because understand this, understand this. God will not. God will not reveal any new word that's in opposition to his already revealed word. He is not a God of confusion. And, and, and so when someone comes along and says, well, I just got this word from the Lord. I got this word from the Lord. I got this. God's told me this. God, well, it, it okay, let, listen a little bit in here. But if it's in opposition to God's already revealed word, you know it's false prophecy. It's not true because God is not a God of confusion. He's not going to bring that into the situation. Watch out for those (laughs) who sensationalize, who sensationalize the end of time. Do you have any idea how many recorded times people have prophesied the year of Christ's return and in many cases have actually given the exact date? I I did a little research. I'm going to share that with you. Since Jesus left and went back to, there are, there are 178, most of them in more modern times, 178 recorded predictions of when Jesus was going to come back, given a year and in many times an actual date. The hilarious thing to me as I started reading through that list was there are several people that prophesied it two, three, four, five times. It was like, Oh, wait a minute. I thought I did my, I miscalculated. No, 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 it's not this. No, it's not this day. 178 times people have said, here's when it's going to happen. Here's when the world's coming to an end. Here's when Jesus is coming back. You know what all those prophecies have in common? <laughs> Absolutely, Ron. They are all wrong. You know what really they were? They weren't prophecies at all. They were predictions. They were predictions, not prophecies. There's a big difference. A prophecy is actually a word from the Lord, a prediction. It's just what you think is going to happen. Kind of like predicting who's going to win the ball game. Kind of like predicting if UK is ever going to score another touchdown. You know, you don't know. (laughs) You don't know if that's ever going to happen. And you know what all those things do? They tend to use scare tactics instead of prepare tactics. See, I, I think as believers in Christ, we need to be all about pre- preparing and, and not scaring. One of the most disturbing things that I found as I researched this list is the number of well-known preachers, theologians, who made some of these bold predictions with, with dates and times. People of old like Martin Luther and John Wesley, 
More modern preachers like Chuck Smith and Pat Robertson, Jerry Falwell, John Hagee, that said, I know the time, and they gave us a time, and the time didn't happen. And you know what that does to a world that's struggling to believe in Jesus? It just gives more reason in their mind not to believe in Jesus. And watch out for those who sensationalize. Matthew put it this way, Matthew 24, verse 36 says, But, but about the day... Or the hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father knows. And finally, the last part of this warning, the watch out warning, is watch out for those who scoff at the second coming. You see, the complete opposite of predicting that there is going to be one and giving it a time and a date are those who don't even believe that it's going to happen. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 says, Above all, you must that in the last days scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires they will say where is this coming he promised ever since our ancestors died everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation don't let people scoff at it because you know that 300 times over 300 times in the new testament jesus and other writers that wrote uh, about the thing he was gone talked about the time when he would literally return to earth it's going to happen but but be watchful don't be deceived know the truth of scripture all right second warning second warning starts about verse 12 and here are the three ways i'll classify that be sure don't be intimidated and stand firm in the truth be sure don't be intimidated stand firm in the truth whichever one of those resonates with you let that be how you think of this warning be sure that you know that jesus did warn us look in verse 12 and 13 of our text this morning in luke 21 it says but before all of this they will seize you and persecute you aren't you glad you came today they will hand over hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name and so you will bear testimony to me but we just sang we're going to see a victory those two worlds have got to come together. Last week we saw the opposition uh, to Jesus and his authority because the Pharisees didn't like being told what to do. And we talked about a lot last week how much of the world today doesn't like being told what to do. But the more society comes to believe that all roads lead to heaven and the more intolerant, intolerant our society becomes toward those who believe in Jesus as the sole source of salvation, the more opposition we're going to experience ourselves. It's what's going on in a lot of foreign countries. It's what's going on today in a lot of places where men and women in, in places that are just totally, totally against Christ, are, are truly being persecuted, even killed for their faith. But not only is the world opposing Jesus, they're opposing all of us who follow Jesus because they don't like being told how to live. And if you and I live like Jesus told us to do and they choose not to, then they feel like somehow the inference is that we're right and they're wrong. And it's a whole lot easier to grab someone ankle, someone's ankle and pull them down the ladder than to climb along with them. So rather than working toward what needs to happen, it's a lot easier to pull other people down. And Jesus warned us that that was going to happen. So we need to be sure that we know that Jesus warned us, but we also need to be sure that our faithfulness will be rewarded. We're going to see a victory. Jesus begins here by encouraging his disciples in this next little phrase. It's as if Jesus, he's warned them, he's told them, here's what's going to come. But he says, but I got you. I got you. Don't, don't worry, I got you. Verse 15 says, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. But not a single hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. But some of you guys have studied history. The, the men he was talking to, the men he was telling, don't worry, be faithful. Every one of them, except one, died a martyr's death 
because of what they believe. Every one of them. I mean, crazy things. Peter and James both crucified upside down because they didn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same way their Lord was. Others that were tortured in many different ways. The only one who didn't actually die a martyr was tortured so bad that it was only a miracle that John didn't die before he was exiled to the island of Patmos. That doesn't sound much like victory, does it? Unless you can do what Jesus was doing and think in terms of the eternal, not the earthly. That's that's what what Jesus said. I got you. There's something much bigger than this temporary time here on earth. There's something much bigger and much better. Jesus said uh, in Luke chapter 12, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, they ain't got nothing left to do. Don't be afraid of that. So the second warning was be sure. Don't be intimidated. Stand firm in the truth. The third warning, it actually starts, uh, well, we're going to kind of incorporate several parts of this. It, 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 but the third warning is be observant. That may be one way to look at it. Another way, don't ignore the evidence. Or another way, just be wise and seek the truth. Be observant. Don't ignore the evidence. Be wise and seek the truth. There's some, there's some scary stuff that's going on in our world, right? I mean, just think about it right now in our world. Pandemic. Or maybe we say pandemics, racial injustice and division, human genocide, hurricanes, snowstorms in October in Oklahoma. What's up with that? Babies being murdered by the millions, opioid epidemics. But what do we know? Life is hard. That's right. And we hang on to that. We hang on to that. Because there will be upheaval in our daily times. If if you go all the way back to the beginning of this section, in verse 6 it says, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Jesus was saying, you guys may think this is going to get ugly right here, but it's going to get uglier. Jesus knew what was going to happen in just a couple of days. This is Tuesday evening that he's talking. He knows what's coming on Thursday evening and on Friday. He knows what's coming. He said, you guys may think it's going to get, but it's going to get uglier. It's going to get uglier. And he starts talking about the temple being destroyed. You know, in just a few years, when the temple was destroyed, that history says that when Jerusalem was destroyed, that the fires were so hot that the gold trimmings of the temple were melted and ran down over the stones that were collapsed and in between the crevices and cracks and eventually had to be peeled away. See, Herod had adorned the temple with molded grapevines, with these molded golden grapevines and the grape clusters that were hanging on those molded golden grapevines were as tall as a man and history says that when jerusalem was destroyed those all the fire was so hot that those all melted and just ran down through everything and jesus is saying don't put your faith in human splendor because the disciples have been talking about wow verse five remember when we read that they said wow look at the look at the size of these stones in this temple Look at, look at this beautiful stuff. Jesus says, don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in that. And then let your eyes scroll all the way down to verse 20. Starting verse 20, he goes on, he says, and when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. And then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out. Let those in the country not near, uh, not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. And there will be great distress in the land and wrath against the people. And they will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. But we're going to see a victory. Kind of hard to see in the short term, right? Kind of hard to see in the short term. This, this prophesied destruction, this one, unlike all the ones of men who have said when Jesus, this one actually played out. In less than four decades, it played out. In A.D. 70, as Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple was destroyed, it was horrific for the Jewish nation. They were driven out of their home for 1,897 years until the Six-Day War of 1967 that some of you remember well. 
when the Jews were allowed to go back home after this destruction. See, when Jesus was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, he wasn't talking about the end of the world. He wasn't talking about the end of the world. If you look at the rest of the text, it it wouldn't make sense that he was talking about the end of the world. He told them to flee to the mountains. What good would that do if everything was coming to an end? He wasn't talking about that. What he warning the Jews and even us today was bad stuff is going to happen in this world. Bad stuff is going to happen. But do not be alarmed for I have overcome the world. And there's a line in the movie, Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption, that says you can get busy living or you can get busy dying. And Jesus warns us, of things to come. Man, that's so applicable today. You know, that's so applicable today. There's stuff. However, what Jesus said is, we don't surrender. We don't just roll over and die. We we may have to flee to the mountains if we have to, but we never give up because we're going to see a victory. There are events that the Bible foretells. Look back here in our same text. Look, Go back up to verse 9. It says, when you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. And then he said to them, nations arising against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, pestilence in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. <coughs> that's why every time it seems like somebody wants to say, that's it. Here it's coming. Here it's coming. And then if you look down to verse 25. And Jesus said, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. And then people will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. Uh Uh-oh, there is the indication, with power and glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, praise, because redemption is drawing near. You will know when he's coming. You know, we, we see things happen our 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 galaxy our our world as we know it is amazing is amazing is amazing and so when the bible talks about suns and moons and stuff like that and and certain times of the year people start getting all excited you know last night was blue harvest moon you know that uh you know what was really interesting about that is i was like because there was supposed to be like this comet or this asteroid that was supposed to be passing by i was kind of like uh i'm always up late that's kind of cool i'll go out on the deck and watch you know so so we start researching and reading about it and the interesting thing about it is you know it's blue harvest moon here last night but on the other side of the world it's not till november because of the way the calendar falls and the time is like so you know it's okay okay it's, it's a sign he's coming to this side of the world but not to the other side of the world see that that's where we get in trouble when we try to take this individual things and we try to say well here this or this no we just need to be ready because i, I gotta be completely honest with you there's far more about the end of times that i don't understand than that which I do, because it hadn't happened yet. Check with me afterwards. <laughs> you know, there are a few things, though, that I do understand, and I fully believe. Number one, it's going to happen. Number two, you better be ready. See, Satan loves it. Satan loves it when we invest more time trying to figure out when it is going to happen. And if the signs are all lining up, then we do getting ready and helping other people get ready. In fact, his, if history teaches us anything, it is that when, when many who try to figure out what is going to happen aren't ready when it does happen in their own life. They spend a lot of time trying to put things together that aren't really from God, and then they themselves aren't ready when it does happen. Last warning. Last warning. Be careful. Don't get distracted. Focus. Focus on the truth. See, we got to be careful to stay focused on our purpose. One of the worst things that can happen to an athletic team is when they get the lead and they start playing not to lose instead of playing to win. 
Oh, we got to leave. We might as well be, be careful here. <clears throat> and how many times has lead, have leads fallen apart? I saw some yesterday. I, I got to be honest. LSU, LSU's basketball team is one of the worst at that uh, in history. You, you know that in 1987, they had the game sewed up against Indiana. They had the regional final game sewed up against Indiana. And they started playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And Indiana beat them and went on to win the national championship. But the biggest one they did was in 1994. Some of you remember because it was in the middle of a snowstorm. And we're all stuck inside and everybody's watching and, and, and behind by 31 points with 15 minutes to go at LSU and came back and won because LSU started playing not to lose instead of playing to win. They lost their focus. Look at verse 32 and 33. We're almost done here. Jesus says, truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Are we that generation? Because he said, I tell you, this generation, are we that generation? I really don't know. But the more I studied this this week and looked at generations, you know what? Every generation since Jesus spoke these words have thought they were that generation. (laughs) Every one of them. And many who were convinced of that lost their focus and didn't finish well. I want to finish well because I want to see a victory. Be careful. Be careful. And don't let temptation pull you away. See, that's what happens. Temptations get in there. In verse 34, Jesus said, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will focus, it, it will come on those who live on the face of the whole earth. It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get distracted. I get distracted. Man. I had ADD before they knew what ADD was. You know, there are so many squirrels running around this room right now that you just can't imagine. But I see every one of them. You know, it's so easy to get distracted. <laughs> Some of you are little squirrels. There aren't any squirrels in here, just by the way. What, what's distracting you right now? Is it COVID? Is it, do I wear a mask or not wear a mask? Is it unrest? Is it the election this Tuesday or the stock market or a relationship that you're in? What's distracting you? See, all these things are important. But these important things can easily distract us from the most important thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The bottom line is, the most important warning, don't fail to accept Jesus. Because we all have to face Jesus. And and don't worry about how or when. Just be ready and heed the warnings. A lot of you guys probably remember July 1976. There was a this horrific hostage takeover. And, and in Uganda and in Tibet. And, and in 1976... Israeli commandos finally decided we're going in and getting these people out of the airport. And they stormed the airport. There were 103 Jewish hostages being held captive. In less than 15 minutes, the soldiers had killed all seven of the kidnappers and set the captives free. Except for three. Except for three. You see... Three of the hostages died during the raid as well. As the commandos stormed the airport in Hebrew, because it was Jewish hostages who would have known Hebrew. And so in Hebrew, the Israeli commandos stormed the airport and they yelled in Hebrew, get down and crawl. And the Jewish hostages understood, immediately laid down on the floor, while the gorillas who did not speak Hebrew failed to respond, remained standing, and they were, they were shot. But three people ignored the warning. Two of them just kind of stood and looked around, kind of wanted to see what was going to happen. And they caught bullets that were intended for the enemy. 
One of them was actually, one hostage was actually lying down when they came in and he stood up to see what was going on. And three people died that day that didn't have to die because they didn't heed the warnings that were given to them. Guys, Jesus offers us warning. Luke 21 is all about a warning that someday we'll stand before him and in our death or at his appearing, whichever comes first, we're going to stand before him. And, and the question is, will we have heeded the warning? Or are we going to ignore it? See, when you ignore the warning, you suffer the consequences. We live in a world today that's... And a lot of the suffering that's going on today in the world is the failure to heed the warning and to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life. Would you guys stand with me? Ethan, Kevin, and the band are going to lead us again. Um, let's, just, let's just dream about the victory. And, and if you don't have the assurance that, that you're going to stand before Jesus and know that you're going to reap the harvest, that you're going to secure a victory because of what he did, Come on. Come on. Don't leave here today without that. Don't leave here today without that. Jason's down here. He'd love to talk to you. We got elders all around the room. Love to talk to you. Pray with you. Come on. Let's see a victory today. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it. what you guys saw victory Thursday night. 
Uh, Jed McElroy was baptized over here by a small group leader. And so we had a victory this week, a big victory this week. And we can celebrate that, uh, what our children's ministry uh, is doing. It was so awesome, so awesome to see Rob Ellis there baptizing a young man who's been in his small group. Hey, guys, if you're new here, we've got a gift for you out the I'm New Wall. I'd love to have you stop out there and pick up that gift. Uh, Don't forget uh, to be praying. Uh, for what's going to happen at 11.30. Would you do me a favor? Especially, I'm going to ask you guys to do me a favor. Would would you make a special point at about 11.25 today? You may need to stop right now and set an alarm on your phone. But would you make a special point? I trust you guys to do this. Make a special point at 11.25 today to pray for what's going to happen in the stew as we kick off this Hispanic service. Would you do that for me today? Have an awesome week. Let's go see some victories this week. See you next Sunday.